lusty intelligence represented by the woman, continuing to reply to the flattery of King Paranjan. Translation, Oh, killer of the enemy. Oh. Not yet. <laughs> don't say it, not yet. This is calling you. Oh, killer of the enemy, you have somehow or other come here. <laughs> this is certainly great fortune for me. I wish all auspicious things for you. You have a great desire to satisfy your senses. And all my friends and I shall try our best in all respects to fulfill your desires. Please repeat. O killer of the enemy, you have somehow or other come here. This is certainly great fortune for me. I wish all auspicious things for you. You have a great desire, a great desire to, satisfy your senses. to satisfy your senses. And all my friends and I, and all my friends and I shall try our best, try our best in, all respects, in all respects to fulfill your desires. To fulfill your desires. Thanks a lot, right? <laughs> okay, Srila Prabhupada's purport. The living entity comes down into this material world for sense gratification, and his intelligence, represented by the woman, gives him the proper direction by which he can satisfy his senses to their best capacity. In actuality, however, intelligence comes from the Supersoul, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and he gives full facility to the living entity who has come down to this material world, as stated in Bhagavad Gita 241. Say it with me if you know it. Vyavasayatmika buddhi rekeha guru nandana bhavushakaya nantascha buddhayo vyavasayana Those who are on the spiritual path are resolute in purpose and their aim is one, O beloved Shailai the Gurus, the intelligence of those who are irresolute is many Unquote. When a devotee is advancing towards spiritual realization, his only aim is the service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He does not care for any other material or spiritual activity. King Paranjan represents the ordinary living entity, and the woman represents the ordinary living entities intelligence. Combined, the living entity enjoys his material senses and the intelligence supplies all paraphernalia for his enjoyment. As soon as he enters the human form, the living entity is entrapped by a family tradition, nationality, customs, and so forth. These are all supplied by the maya of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Thus, the living entity, under the bodily conception of life, utilizes his intelligence to his best capacity in order to satisfy his senses. Mm-hmm. So the
I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master was kind of opening my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. So I call this class Intelligence Love Based and Lust Based. Intelligence is intelligence. We, it's, it just depends, whether it's material or spiritual, it depends on what its object is. But it's the same intelligence. And there's a couple of kinds of intelligence. Actually, there's many kinds. Uh, yeah, the self-help people talk about emotional intelligence, and analytical intelligence. In Sanskrit, there's two words commonly we use for buddhi and medha. So, buddhi is that kind of analytical intelligence. Eshate vidhita sankhye buddhir yogi vimangshinu buddhya yukto yaya parka karma bandham prahasya. See, this is 239. The first 38 verses, well, especially text 11 through 38, are analytical. It's Krishna's giving jnana, brahma jnana. Distinguishing matter from spirit. And then the rest of the chapter, and then 239 is the turning point because the rest of the second chapter is um, different kinds of intelligence. Medha. You find this in uh, 1034, Medha. Uh, I am all devouring death. How does that I am all devouring death. And I am also the... What is it? Mrityu Mrityu, thank you. Mrityu Sarvaharascham Udvavascha Bhavishyam I am all devouring death. And I am also the generator of all things yet to be. Krishna does this a lot, these contrasting pairs. Because it makes, it sticks in our mind. We talked, uh, when Adi Purush Prabhu was giving class yesterday, we were talking a little bit about how uh, emotional experiences cement uh, memories. They may they really bring it home. Because ultimately, why? Because we're sentient beings. We're not just intellectual beings, or, you know, we're not talking heads. Where do we live? In the heart. Absolute is sentient. Prabhupada wrote that poem. Capable of perceptions, capable of feelings. Ultimately, Krishna is all about rasa. He wants to exchange a loving. He wants a loving exchanges with his devotees. Uh, and then the second part of the verse: Kirti Shrir Vak Chanarina Smritir Medha Pratikshaman. Maybe that ten thirty four because there's different kinds of intelligence. So, I am all devouring death, and I am the generating principle of all that is yet to be. And he says, among women, I am fame, fortune, fine speech, memory, intelligence, steadfastness, and patience. 
What's this? Women are less intelligent stuff. Look at this. The prophet explains in the purport that these qualities, they're considered feminine. It's like Srimati Radharani is Krishna's better half. His Srila Bhaktisiddhanta translated the Brahma Sangita, his predominating moiety. <laughs> his better half. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta English. Um, so Radha is Krishna's uh, compassionate side. It's like here we have Shishi Radha Balava and Radha's hand is down, the right hand. Yeah? I can't quite see. Oh, okay. The right hand is up. Good. So this is a, it's a double blessing. Right? Everything's okay. You're in the right place. Yeah, uh, but be careful. <laughs> this is my Krishna you're dealing with. So, but Krishna introduces, Radha introduces us to Krishna, therefore we say, Hooray Krishna, Mother of the Rock. Okay. So, Prabhupada explains in the purport the seven opulences listed fame, fortune, fine speech, memory, intelligence, steadfastness, and patience are considered feminine. If a person possesses all of them, or some of them, he becomes glorious. If a man is is famous as a righteous man, that makes him glorious. Sanskrit is a perfect language and is therefore very glorious. If after studying one can remember a subject matter, he is gifted with a good memory, or a smriti, and the ability not only to read many books on different subject matters, but to understand them and apply them when necessary is intelligence. Medha. Another opulence. So Medha is that intelligence which is uh, applied appropriately. Sumirsha. Sumirsha. Yajanti Sumirsha. Right? 11.532. Appropriately. So if we just know a lot of stuff, but we don't know how to apply it appropriately. We can be, quote, correct, but we can be so wrong. We have a saying in America, I don't know if you have it in Australia, would you rather be right or would you rather be married? <laughs> Unfortunately, I would rather be right before I'm no longer married. <laughs> but that's a boom too. Um, yeah, so Ghanis are very good at parsing, parsing concepts and um, like that, but, um, but when, we, when we get it in the heart, then we know how to apply everything appropriately, just like when uh, the Catholic boys approached the wives of the, of the Jogi Brahmins for food for Krishna Balaram, they don't know, no, we're, come on, we're, we have more important things to do here with our juggle, our sacrifice. And then, so then they went back to Krishna Balaram. Krishna Balaram said, approach their wives, you know, like, as if to say, their wives get it, they understand. Because all purposes that are served by the small pond can at once be served by the reservoirs of water. Similarly, all the purposes of Vedas can be served to one another's purpose behind them. So the, the Jokic Brahmanas were so caught up in their in their yam-diyam and rites and rituals and that they forgot the whole purpose behind it. So the wives knew, they weren't so-called learned, but they 
come to the right point. Bahunam Janmanam Arte, when you're through with your Gani stuff, then we surrender to Krishna. So, and then the Brahmins, the Jogi Brahmins, what were they, when they realized that, when they heard that, that their wives had given, what did they say? You know, in the Krishna. To hell with our rites and rituals. To hell with, they realized they were so fools. There they were. They thought they knew so many things and they were so qualified and that they were sacrificing. But they forgot the whole point. Yeah, I am the goal of the Vedas. Okay. So the Medha is, is very uh, appropriately applied intelligence. The ability to overcome unsteadiness is called firmness or steadfastness. And when one is fully qualified, it is humble and gentle. And when one is able to keep the, his balance, both in sorrow and in the ecstasy of joy, he has the opulence called patience, kshama. Okay, um, now in his purport, Chita Prabhupada cites uh, let's see what he says. Yeah, he cites the famous verse, we, we sang it, Gita 241. This is the famous verse I mentioned before, Vyavasyamikabhuti, where even after Prabhupada had written his Guru Maharaj, just a few weeks before he passed away, and asked for some special, special instruction. And what did he get? He got the same instruction he got when he was bowing down and on that altar Dhamma rooftop. Only now it was mature. It was, it was confirmed because Sri Bhakti Siddhanta knew that here's a person who can actually do this, preach, preach Krishna consciousness all over the world. So Prabhupada was so fortunate to get that special mercy because he was the most eager to carry out the mission. But even after that, Prabhupada told us it was reading this Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur commentary on, on this verse, 241, that Prabhupada realized, I actually have to do this. Because the top four said in his commentary that one has to take the order of the spiritual master as one's life and soul. This is actually single-pointed intelligence. And in the first verse of 241, Prabhupada does mention Vishwanath, but in a, in a different way. It's interesting. Through the Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur instructs us in his famous prayers for the spiritual master as follows. Yasya prasada bhagavat prasada Yasya prasada nagati kutopi Jayam stuvam tasya Yashastri sanyam bandhikurosri charanarindam so, to highlight that uh, single-pointed intelligence Prabhupada quote the last Gurvastak, which Vishwanath wrote, and Prabhupada translates it here, quote, By satisfaction of the spiritual master, the Supreme Personality of God has become satisfied, and by not satisfying the spiritual master, there is no chance of being promoted to the plane of Krishna consciousness. 
I should therefore meditate and pray for his mercy three times a day. Yashas Trisandhyam. When people, Prabhupada would give people Gayatri Mantra, he would tell them when to chant the Gayatri Mantra in different ways. He would say morning, noon, evening. He would say sunrise, high noon, sunset. Sometimes he would just say thrice daily. But especially, we get information, these junctions. These are uh, to mark the passage of time. We remember uh, our spiritual master in a very deep way. Okay, now this, today's verse, it's more about the lady um, representing, in the elegant narrative, Muni's allegory, representing lusty intelligence, assuring King Karanjan, the bewildered living entity who wants to enjoy the body, that, uh, that she'll help him do this. And the first thing she says, oh, killer of the enemy. She, flat, she starts <coughs> flattering him back. But is he a real killer of the enemy? No. Because he's surrendered to the senses. That's not a hero. He also said, oh, hero. Um, once Kirtananda Maharaj wrote Shri Prabhupada, and he was very despondent because it was just after demons had attacked Nubrindavan. Maybe you've heard this history. It's the second week in June, 1973. I had lived there before and I got, I was returning there when it was happening. I got there, I got there just after it happened. So, Kirtanada Swami was so despondent because uh, the deities had been vandalized, Radha Chandra, devotees had been shot. And so, he was thinking, I'm not a Maharaj, great king. So Prabhupada wrote, said, no you are, because you're king of the senses. That's what a Maharaj is, not just some guy who rides in an elephant, and, you know, or even a big chakriya. He may not be good at controlling his senses if he's conquered, but Prabhupada, as Prabhupada says, Antony was conquered by Cleopatra, Julius Caesar, or by Cleopatra, yeah. and Antony too, that's another story. Uh, Napoleon, Josephine, so many, right? Big conquerors, and then you become a beggar to somebody to satisfy your senses. <laughs> and a king, Prabhupada said. So that's... Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah, right? Uh, there's so many Tristan and Isolde there's so many uh, yeah so so I thought well today we've been talking about this a lot about uh, how we're bewildered in our intelligence so I was thinking now where is the place in Srimapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapapap
in Canada 2, chapters called Lord of the Heart. And boy, Prabhupada is just taking great pains, bending over backwards, as you say, to really spell out step by step how to realize our identity as spirit and not chase after the senses and the sense objects. So I'd like to read this purport and maybe if there's time stop a little bit and say something. Uh, it's really powerful. Uh, the verse is Bhagavan Sarvabhuteshu. This is Shukadeva Goswami. Bhagavan Sarvabhuteshu Lakshita Svapanahari Drishyar Buddhyaribir Drashta Lakshanaya Anirmatokai Shukadeva says the personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, is in every living being along with the individual soul. And this fact is perceived and hypothesized in our acts of seeing and taking help from the intelligence. So this is when the intelligence is used to seek out the absolute truth. These guys are a little too noisy. What are we going to do? What are their names? If you're going to, you're going to color? Are you? No? What are you doing? Your, your homework? Oh, you're going, it's a maze. Well, that's what we're talking about. We're in a maze here. And we're amazed by the maze, but we've got to get out of here. If you're going to be here, you've got to be quiet. Okay. Thank you. Are you brothers? No? Okay, just do it silently, all right? Mona. Stop telling a dog not to bark, right? Excuse me, I didn't mean to call you a dog. Okay, here we go. This is a three-page-plus purport. So, try not to nod out like I do all the time. No, try to... Because we're going to stop and uh, make some fun. Srila Prabhupada's purport. The general argument... So this is the antidote to the lusty intelligence, figuring out how to have sense gratification. So spiritual intelligence, when we engage our... It's the same intelligence. We just, it's what makes it material or spiritual is how we apply it. It's not that we have two intelligences. Sometimes it's this misconception. We have intelligence. And when it's applied materially, then we're foolish. And when it's applied... Spiritually, then it's used properly. Purport, the general argument of the common man is that since the Lord is not, not visible to our eyes, how can one either surrender unto him or render transcendental loving service unto him? To such a common man, here is a practical suggestion given by Srila Shukadeva Goswami, as to how one can perceive the Supreme Lord by reason and perception. So when Prabhupada does in these purports, he unpacks, he, he opens them up so that we can see through his transcendental magnifying glass things that we can't see. It's there, but the pure devotee can magnify it so we can see it. Actually, the Lord is not perceivable by our present materialized senses, but when one is convinced 
of the presence of the Lord by a practical service attitude, there is a revelation by the Lord's mercy. And what is that? There's a verse in the Panda Purana to that effect. Anybody know that? It starts at top. What's the rest? So what does it mean? That the, the supreme, the transcendental name and qualities of the Lord cannot be realized by blood materials. Very good. By serving to the tongue, when it, like we find the sense that we will... Yeah, beginning with the tongue. Jimpa Adaos. Amazing, huh? The same Lord who is way beyond us. Way beyond our, we say, ken. Uh, our capacity to know. You said the last bit just again. The last sentence again. Can you read that? The the last sentence. The last sentence. Okay. I didn't finish it. Actually, the Lord is not perceivable by our present materialized senses, but when one is convinced of the presence of the Lord by a practical service attitude, there is a revelation by the Lord's mercy. Actually, I did finish it. Post down. That's true. That same Lord who is way beyond us. When he's pleased with our attitude, remember that line I mentioned, advancement in Krishna consciousness, depends upon the attitude of the devotee, that's right in that third instruction. It's amazing. It's all about attitude. She's very Yeah. Whether either we're resentful of Krishna, in which case Krishna keeps his distance, or when we're grateful, we have a good attitude, then, oh, then he's, he trusts us. Okay, I'm like this. It says, I'm like this. And such a pure devotee of the Lord can perceive the Lord's presence always and everywhere. We were speaking uh, at Pranapagul's house about Prabhupada's visit to this Franciscan monastery in, outside Melbourne. Um, in the 70s, and uh, they really appreciated Sri Prabhupada because he appreciated St. Francis because it was a question. What do you think of uh, St. Francis? That was their guru, right? So to speak. So Prabhupada didn't, wasn't acquainted intimately with St. Francis. He heard the name, but he said, what is his philosophy? Oh, and then the person said, well, he related to everything uh, as coming from God. Brother, son, sister, moon. And Prabhupada loved it. Ah, oh, just see, that's real God consciousness. Yomam Pashati Sarvatra. Famous verse. Anybody know? Sarvam Chamai Pashati Tasyaham Napranasyami Sachame Napranasyati. Chapter text 30. For one who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, I am never lost, nor is he ever lost to me. 1969, May, New Vrindavan. Prabhupada's first visit to New Vrindavan. Loved it. When he drank the milk from the cow, Kaliya, he said, I haven't had milk like this in 50 years. Because it was cow from the, it was milk from New Jersey. Really rich milk. So, uh, Prabhupada's up in his quarters. Anyone been to New Vrindavan? It's kind of far away from here. Well, if you ever go, go up to the old Vrindavan farm, the original parcel, and go in the, in the farmhouse. 
temple. It's still there. It's an old, it's like a shrine now. Where it's holding this Radhanath Swami stood for many years as a simple pujari. And I lived there early, even earlier, 70, yeah, 70, 71. So, um, so there's above the temple room, there's an upstairs, and that's where Prabhupada would stay. <coughs> so, uh, I agree his wife, Shama Dasi, was cleaning Prabhupada's room while Prabhupada was there. And, uh, and then she asked the question, she said, Srila Prabhupada, what does it mean this, that a pure devotee sees Krishna everywhere? What does that mean? So Prabhupada was always such a practical person. He could give examples that were down to earth and out of this world at the same time. So she was cleaning, and then so the Prabhupada's shoes were right at the top of the stairs. So he said, well, what do you think when you see those shoes? Oh, those are Prabhupada's shoes. Those are your shoes, Shiva Prabhupada. Well, whatever a pure devotee sees, he doesn't just see it, like Kaviraj Goswami says, Stavara Jangama. Right? He sees every he doesn't just see anything stavara, non-moving or jungle moving. He sees Krishna everywhere. Ah, oh, thank you, Shiva Prabhupada. It was very practical. She sees the shoes and then she thinks of Prabhupada. So whatever period of he sees. <laughs> sees me everywhere, sees everything in me. So Prabhupada loved that. That uh, this is real God consciousness. And then Prabhupada continued chanting. He was chanting, Shamadasi said, uh, kind of pacing the floor. And he had his cheddar, kind of like a, an actor's cape. And at one time, he, all of a sudden he stopped and he whirled around. And he said, my spiritual master has made me a jewel. And I will make you all jewels. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so such a devotee can perceive the Lord's presence everywhere. He can perceive that intelligence. Now, here's the line. Mm-hmm. Intelligence is the form direction. Interesting phrase. It's a compound. Prabhupada just made it up. Form hyphen direction. is the form direction of the paramatma, plenary portion of the personality of Godhead. Elsewhere he says, intelligence is the form direction of the super soul. Intelligence. But when we misuse it, it simply becomes a, a tool for our sense gratification. But actually, our God-given intelligence, buddhi, meta, what have you, is, is for realizing Krishna. And in the ninth chapter of this canto, 2.9.33-36, you get the Chatur Shloki, where Brahma is, uh, where the Lord is instructing Brahma how to uh, see Him everywhere. One must search out the absolute truth everywhere in all circumstances. So here also. Uh, so intelligence is the form direction of the super soul. We can actually perceive Krishna if we use our intelligence with the right attitude. What does Krishna say at the end of the Gita? And I declare that he who studies the sacred conversation worships me by his intelligence. Yeah. So, human intelligence is meant for realizing God. And cow's milk is meant to refine those brain tissues so we can 
assimilate the subtle form of spiritual knowledge Prabhupada wrote in the light of the Bhagavad. Milk as it is, not the milk we get in the store, that's manhandled and molecularly monkeyed with and makes people so-called lactose intolerant. Yeah. After man gets through with it, of course. The presence of Paramatma in everyone's company is not very difficult to realize, even for the common man. So this is Prabhupada's genius and his mercy. He's making these great secrets of life, locked in the Vedas for thousands of years in Sanskrit, accessible to everybody in very plain English, you know, all over, many languages all over the world. So then Prabhupada says, the procedure is as follows. So he's saying, here's how you can realize God. So he's given us a, a step-by-step formula for realizing God. But how to do that is not formulaic. You have to have the right attitude. It's not a mechanical thing. Not just Even if you read Bhagavatam with the wrong attitude, it just bounces off you. Did you ever notice it, how much you get out when you read the Gita or Bhagavatam? It depends on the mood you bring to it. <laughs> Sometimes you're like hanging on every line and you're getting so much out of it. And then other times you just, it just doesn't compute. Krishna precipitates at our surrender, our attitude. Surrender or lack of it. The procedure is as follows. One can perceive one's self-identification and feel positively that he exists. So it starts with us. We can feel that we exist. There's a French philosopher, Descartes. <coughs> what was his Latin? His whole philosophy was summed up. He summed it up in three Latin <laughs> words. Anybody know Descartes? Prabhupada was presented with all these Western philosophers, and then he, uh, he, this, he uh, what do you call it? Defeated them. Or, I mean, he gave credit where credit was due, but he ultimately surpassed them. Who was the only Western philosopher that Prabhupada liked? No. Well, Young. Was that in the philosophy book? I'm not sure. I, I know for sure he liked Socrates. Socrates. Because Socrates realized it wasn't his body. Mm-hmm. Did we do a lesson? No, we didn't do this lesson yet. Oh, you've got to come to Saturday morning. We're going to do lesson 7 and 8. That's going to be a good trick. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to crunch two lessons. Uh, yeah, so you're going to... Yeah. So, yeah, Socrates was condemned to death, but he wasn't afraid. And his friend said, uh, where should we bury you? Oh, wherever you like. If you can actually catch me, <laughs> and I don't escape you. Because he knew he, was, he wasn't... The body, he knew he was spirit. And he even, um, he re- after he drank the hemlock that the Athenian court insisted he must drink to die, then he was so dear that as he was laying there after drinking the hemlock, he was reporting on what he was feeling. Feet are numb, knees are numb, waist is numb. And then when the poison hit the heart, he was gone. 
Yeah, so Prabhupada loved Socrates because he realized he wasn't his body. So you're going to hear more about that in Lesson 7. Uh, so Prabhupada said, let's just start, you know, the old thing we do about touch your head and touch your arm and to realize you're not your body. You do that for kids, it's really good for kids. Or adults do it for that. <laughs> Simon says, do you do Simon says in Australia? Simon says, touch your head. We should do it right now. Okay, folks. Who am I? Who are we? Simon said, or Krishna says, touch your head. Can you do that? See, he looked, looked to see if his elders, to see if it was safe, right? Don't worry, you're not Krishna Suri. Your head's not going to crack. <laughs> Krishna says, touch your shoulder. Krishna says, touch your heart. Well, outside anyway. Krishna says, touch your belly. Krishna says, touch your knee. Krishna says, touch your foot. Krishna says, touch yourself. Oh, you already, that's the heart. You already did that. So who are you? Some people go like this. They go, <laughs> or they point to their brain. And that's what Descartes did. He said, cogito, this is Latin, I think, ergo, therefore, sum, I am. But he got it backwards. It's sum, ergo, cogito, I am, therefore, I think. Because we exist, we can think, feel, and will. Anyway, I digress too much on my Lord. We're never going to do it before. But I encourage all of you, if you want to be self-realized in three pages, <laughs> if you bring the right attitude, you get lots of hints. Okay. Um, oh, that's half a desert right in this purport. By using a little intelligence, he can feel that he is not the body. He can feel that the hand, the leg, the head, the hair, and the limbs are all his bodily parts and parcels. But as such, the hand, the leg, the head, etc., cannot be identified with his self. Because they all change. I think Prabhu mentioned, you look at your baby picture, everything's different. Every seven years, even medical science says all the cells. But we were there. We were in our mother's womb. Do we remember it? No. We were there. Our mother remembers it. As we were kicking. <laughs> you live with your cells every six weeks. Okay, it depends on the cell. Some scientists will tell us that it's, it depends on the parts of the body. Yes, yeah, some replace really fast and some replace really slow. But on average, there's a turnover, they say, every seven years. Maybe that's an average. Okay, anyway, who are we? We are the witness of all those changes. We are the conscious observer. And even uh, physicists, who ever since quantum physics came in, have been trying to reduce consciousness to molecules and cells and atoms. They haven't been able to do it. Niels Bohr, Nobel Prize winner, says after studying, trying, studying consciousness through all, all these decades, somehow it slipped through our fingers. <laughs> yeah, it is not material. Prabhupada continues. 
Therefore, just by using intelligence, he can distinguish and separate his self from other things that he sees. So the natural conclusion is that the living being, either man or beast, is the seer, and he sees besides himself all other things. So there is a difference between the seer and the seen. Now, oh, and that reminded me of a... No, it's not quite germane, that's okay. Um, now, by a little use of intelligence, we can also readily agree that the living being who sees the things beyond himself, by ordinary vision, has no power to see or to move independently. All our ordinary actions and perceptions depend on various forms of energy supplied to us by nature in various combinations. So Prabhupada's making another point. We're totally dependent. Not only are we not anything material, but we're totally dependent in our conditioned state, especially. Uh, um, the facilities Krishna gives us, like the light, I can see the book, or the air to move within space, or for fire, for heat, or water, to drink. We're totally dependent. All our ordinary actions and perceptions depend on various forms of energy supplied to us by nature in various combinations. Our senses of perception and of action, that is to say, our perceptive senses of one, hearing, two, touch, three, sight, four, taste, and five, smell, as well as our five senses of action, namely one, hands, two, legs, three, speech, four, evacuation organs, and five, reproductive organs, and also our three subtle senses, namely one, mind, two, intelligence, and three, ego, thirteen senses in all, in parenthesis, are supplied to us by various arrangements of gross or subtle forms of material energy. And it is equally evident that our objects of perception are, make, are nothing but the products of the inexhaustible permutations and combinations of the forms taken by, material, by natural energy. As this conclusively proves that the ordinary living being has no independent power of perception or of motion, and as we undoubtedly feel our existence being conditioned by nature's energy, we conclude that he who sees is spirit, and that the senses as well as the objects of perceptions are material. And Prabhupada is taking us through a step-by-step meditation, and we talk about guided meditation. For Harinam, you ever go on these Japa retreats? We're going to do a guided meditation to the interior of the Holy Name, Prabhu. And it's good. So Prabhupada is similarly taking us through some Sankhya, Meditation distinguishing matter from spirit. That is the difference between spirit and matter. There are some less intelligent arguments that matter develops the power of seeing and moving as a certain organic development. This is about swiping at Darwin and company. But such an argument cannot be accepted because there is no experimental, experimental evidence that matter has anywhere produced a living entity. And I'm going to... This is just halfway through the purport. But what's the classic example Prabhupada gave for that? Especially when he was... Uh, no, not actually all over the world. In connection with his 
science devotees. He would always praise that um, the late great Sarup Damodar Maharaj ever visit Australia. You ever come down here? No? Yeah, I hear him. Did he ever? He came here? Yeah. I Yeah, okay. What a beautiful, uh, true sadhu. Sadhu and, and brilliant scientist. So Prabhupada was so pleased because uh, Surup Damodar, well, before he was Maharaj, he graduated uh, UC, University of California at Irvine with a PhD in organic chemistry. And he, because it was organic chemistry, he challenged his teacher, who was a, you know, a dietable, uh, mechanistic scientist, trying to reduce everything to matter. So Prabhupada said, even our Dr. Sarup Damodar has challenged a big, big scientist that if I give you all the ingredients, if all, all the ingredients of, a, of an egg, if I give you the, this yellow chemical and this red and white, and, and can you produce a chicken? <laughs> And uh, all the scientists could say was, that I cannot say. It was like, you answered like a lawyer, right? <laughs> that I cannot say. So, uh, that's a bluff, in other words. Yeah, no, of course not. Because without the touch of the spiritual energy, nothing manifests. Nothing. Life comes from life. That's the whole point. So, I just wanted to get into a little... Uh, uh, counterpoint how we can use the intelligence to perceive and finally go to Krishna. So just a couple of minutes before nine. If you have any questions or comments, I will read the verse again. Way back in the fourth canal. This is the second canal. I'm happy you have all the books here because sometimes in temples they don't have it at your fingertips so you can't make good references. And not everybody has them all on their phone, right? Okay, the verse again. Oh, killer of the enemy! <laughs> the woman, right? You're my hero. You have somehow or other come here. Look, he doesn't. He just said yesterday, you know, I don't know how I got here. Well, thanks a lot, man. This is certainly great fortune for me. I wish all auspicious things for you. Yeah, yeah right. Auspicious? No, not. You have a great desire to satisfy your senses. This is great desire. Oh, come on. That's great. What's great about that? Even the dogs do that. Right? And all my friends. What's the friends of the intelligence? All her, her, her team, the senses, the mind, all the ten senses. Right? And I shall try our best in all respects to fulfill your desires. And Corinthian goes for it, and he just meets with ruin, you see, by the end. Any questions or comments? No? Prabhu? Once again, thank you very much for a very nice analysis, because Prabhupada has written second chapter in Bhagavad Gita also, that body and soul. Soul is like, body is just nothing in front of soul. Uh, you can think of uh, you are flying in the sky and then you are just a king on the throne and the next moment you are nothing when you get up. So it's just a body like a 
because of different kinds of sacrifices. Apane juvati pranam pranipanam tatapare prana panagati rudva pranayama there is pranayama parayanam apareyatahara pranan pranishu juvati prana is in that it's in every line <coughs> still others who are inclined to the process of breath restraint to remain in trance practice by offering the movement of the outgoing breath into the incoming and the incoming breath into the outgoing and thus at last remain in trance stopping all breathing so some yogis are breatharians but even this this is even more advanced. You, they stop all, the whole breathing process. It's like Haridas Thakur when they, you know, they were beating him. Oh, I, I'm going to get you in trouble if I don't die. Okay. So he went into samadhi, but he was in samadhi. He wasn't uh, dead. And thus, at last, remain in trance, stopping all breathing. Others curtailing the eating process offer the outgoing breath into itself as a sacrifice. So. Uh, it's a little late to read the whole purport and, and cogitate over that, but maybe we can just re- reread that Gita purport. <laughs> I'm not clear on it because I'm not an expert in cosmic mechanics. Mm-hmm. When I was teaching Bhakti by Bhav, the, se- the second canos four through six, Bhakti by Bhav two in Mayapur Institute, I would always invite scientifically minded devotees to come in and teach certain lessons <laughs> that were way over my head. So. Yeah. Okay, thanks for listening. Oops, we have one. Is it quick? When you were talking about the half body experience, mm. so the body was lying on the bed mm-hmm. where the surgery was being done, and which part of the body was witnessing? The subtle body. Do you have spiritual senses as well? With the soul? Well, the sub- these are all, yeah, the soul, the soul is what's sentient. But we're, we're conditioned grossly and subtly. So when, when Krishna allows, then sometimes when people are having an, an NDE, a near-death experience, he allows them to observe what's going on from a, from a subtle point of view. Actually, when I was a kid, um, I had this capacity to what they do called astral travel. This is common in kids, actually, because the, our conditioning hasn't come in full force. So I could lie on, in my bed at my grandmother's house when I was about four. And when I was in that half state between wakefulness and sleep, um, I could project myself all around the room. How old were you? I was about four. And then when I got to be five, six, I think by the time I was seven, I lost it. <laughs> but I could experience what it was like to be in that corner of the room. I wasn't seeing I was still on the bed, but I could feel myself up there. <laughs> so it's a kind of city, it's a kind of mystic power, or it's a kind of, uh, I mean, it's all mercy of Krishna. So, but it is the soul experiencing things in a more subtle way. We're not the brain, as neuroscientists would, materialistic neuroscientists would lead us to believe. We're not the heart, we're not, we're none of these things. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're consciousness. And consciousness is spiritual, 
But it rides in the gross body, and at night when we dream, we travel subtly. And there's a connection between the subtle body and the gross body, or else the body would die, right? <laughs> anyway, that's another class. Sila Prabhupada ki jai.